This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Beth Ford, President and CEO of Land Lakes Cooperative. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance, supporting America's sugar producers and saluting all of agriculture for continuing to feed America. Nearly a century ago, it was farmers working together to solve issues that formed Land Lakes Cooperative. While the scale and scope of agriculture has changed since then, Beth Ford, President and CEO of Land Lakes, says it's still farmers working together and with industry partners to overcome the challenges of the day. What we're seeing in agriculture is one of the last areas that has been disrupted by both e-commerce and by digitization and capture of data. And what we need is more efficient methods for doing that and then capturing it and then saying, really, what are the insights that you can gather from that information, from that data, that can either help develop a different incentive structure for the farmer, say, you know, carbon capture, sustainability, you know, how can they be paid uh, or can that be monetized with the, with the data that we've captured. It's also about efficiency and it's about a, a different way for them to think of the decisions they make every day within season, you know, for planting, for harvest. And then, of course, you know, during the summer, as we're in right now, during the growing season. So I think you're right. It's early. We don't have data for every field, for every acre, and that's what you really need. And it's not just the farm-level data. It is all of the operating data that surrounds a farmer's operation and that enables it that would allow us to make improvements, not just in efficiency, but in insights and think of different uh, business models that can be developed. I would think this is an exciting move where Land Lakes is forming now a multi-year strategic alliance with Microsoft. What does Microsoft bring to the table that helps the farmer, that helps the dairy farmer, that helps the cooperative move to the next level of efficiency? Well, they have unbelievable expertise in AI, in their Azure model that will allow us to have a unified architecture for all of the systems that we already have. So we have our R7 tools, for instance, that we work with growers on. We have uh, applied research plots where we've pulled in all sorts of data. We have data from our Purina Animal Nutrition Research Farm. But, um, but what we need to be able to do is harness that data efficiently and then leverage it for insights. And their tools with AI allow us to leverage that information and then improve the insights that we provide back to a grower or a producer. And I think it's exciting, not just for, you know, the efficiency for the farmer, but for the different levels of information we're going to be able to provide. Satya Nadella, the CEO for Microsoft, was you know, being able to capture microclimate weather data, being able to leverage this information in a marketplace. This is a differentiator, and I believe that is absolutely true. So what does Microsoft bring? They bring that kind of expertise, the tools, the technology, I love their approach. It's not technology for technology's sake, but it's technology to have an impact in multiple industries. And in this one, one of the oldest industries in the world that has an impact globally. And we bring the expertise and we bring years and years of data. I mentioned on one discussion, you know, I was talking to my head of R&D for Purina and I was asking her, did she need additional PhDs? And she said, no, I need more statisticians. I need more data analysts because we have years of data 
but we can't take advantage of that if we don't have the expertise to ask the right questions and develop the right analytics. So it would seem odd that you would bring Microsoft and farmers together, but if you're familiar with the way agriculture is evolving, and actually these two partners come together very well, perhaps to answer questions that we haven't even thought of yet. That's right. You know, I'm excited because Satya and his team have been focused on agriculture. They have a farm beats program. They've been focused on this before being partnered with us. So this isn't new territory, but they were looking for maybe, I guess, more in-depth understanding. So I met with Satya, this was uh, many months ago, you know, at his, his headquarters in Seattle, and he was talking about their Farm Beats program and then the capture of data from IoT, you know, sensors, different places on the farm. And I said, those are going to be helpful, but understand it's an ecosystem. So it's never one thing alone because a farmer is going to also want to talk to an agronomist. He's going to want to have an interpretation or a partnership in the decisions that he or she is making. They're going to look at who can come and help and offer a service on the farm, thus the local retailer, our local retail network. So there are people involved and different businesses involved in the ecosystem of agriculture that we can help provide that kind of insight. And at the same time, they can help provide expertise from a technology perspective on the ways that we can improve the use of the data that we've already captured and that we continue to work with every day. Do you think it possible that farmers can adopt more sustainable practices and at the same time pursue profitability? I do. Our Truterra Insight Engine has over a trillion data points, and that is the specific call to action. Jason Weller, who used to run NRCS, is uh, runs that area and works that. And that model was specifically put against saying a farmer has to be more profitable and more sustainable. So you're not going to say to a farmer, hey, put a cover crop on, as though there isn't a cost to that. Instead, the model allows a farmer to understand the multitude of decisions they could make that would both improve their profitability and their sustainable production. For instance, variable rate application of fertilizer, right? Something that would would make sense that, uh, you know, are you going to go to no-till or uh, what are you going to do? And and from that, we can show what the end result is that would improve their quote-unquote sustainable production score, but also improve their profitability. I think if you don't look at both together, you're not going to make real progress because it's not realistic to expect the farmer just to do it out of the goodness of their heart, although I consider the farmer the original environmentalist, the original entrepreneur. I mean, they have everything at stake. They are creative about ways that they want to continue to work and invest in their land and giving them more data-rich insights to help them improve that sustainability. Some of it may be what government programs are out there for you to take advantage of that or what partners, um, consumer goods companies, for instance, are, would be willing to make an investment to partner with you to get sustainable you know, wheat, for instance, or grain so they can market against that. It's that kind of virtuous circle that I think helps us make progress and helps the farmer be more profitable. It hasn't been too many days ago that in the Senate Ag Committee there was a hearing regarding the Growing Climate Solutions Act, and this was Ms. Stabenow and some others planned that farmers might be rewarded for farming practices that sequester carbon. But the challenge ahead was proving exactly 
how much carbon was being sequestered by the practices. And what you're talking about here is a plan that can help to bring that to fruition. That's exactly right. You know, we have been, so Jason spoke at that um, meeting and he was one, he was the one private industry, if you will, uh, constituent to be asked to testify. And that Truterra Insight Engine, our approach, you know, I've spoken with and met with multiple governors. We've met with different Senate and House leaders in the ag side to say, what are the opportunities for us to really leverage this kind of insight and improve sustainable production? In the state of Minnesota, for instance, we do have a partnership with the state of Minnesota where a grower can say, we're going to, they're going to make progress on their sustainable production. It will be measured and tracked with this Truterra Insight Engine, that data is then fed to the state government. And since they have proof of their progress, and it's not perfection, right? It's it's making progress. It's making the investment, making a commitment. As long as they do that for 10 years, they get some certainty from a regulatory perspective because we all know changing regulatory environment can make a farmer less productive and less profitable. So that your your characterization is exactly right. It's, I don't want to call it a scorecard, but it's a methodology for both a governor or a state or whatever to, to be able to keep score. Are they making real progress with specifics? And for a farmer to be able to execute and take action, and, you know, I think it's so much more productive than saying we're going to put this new regulation out there and you have to meet that, but then you figure out how how you do that, right? Instead, it's a virtuous partnership where we say, okay, we're going we're gonna to really work together with full transparency and visibility, and at the same time, we're going to make sure that the farmer is advantaged with a reduction in a regulatory burden. And as I've talked with different governors from different states, they're excited about that opportunity as well. With regard to the American Connection Project, the Broadband Coalition, there are some very interesting partners here, Land O'Lakes, American Farm Bureau, but also Hewlett-Packard, the Mayo Clinic, the Cleveland Clinic. How is this coalition different than others that are calling on Washington to get together and close the digital divide? Well, this has been something that we've been pushing for the last couple of years, and, and others have been pushing it before us. But what we decided to do, and certainly as we saw this pandemic coming out, I have been concerned and our team has been concerned with the lack of health care access in rural communities the lack of investment as it relates to technology for schools. But with the pandemic coming, the recognition is there's a shortage of 40,000 doctors in rural communities. If hundreds of rural hospitals have shut down, what will happen in terms of access to health care for the citizens of these communities when this comes this way, if this comes this way? And so we reached over to the Mayo Clinic and to health partners and to the University of Minnesota and then to Cleveland Clinic. And we started making calls, and then we drafted a letter to the governor in Minnesota, and then we sent it to all governors saying, these are changes you could make right now that would enable the use of telemedicine, that would improve access to health care, not just for COVID cases, but for any citizen with any kind of health care problem so that they don't overwhelm the hospital, that they can still get that access, And we'll partner by turning on our Wi-Fi for free, using AirBands from Microsoft to extend that so that somebody can come to a parking lot and connect with a healthcare provider. And so that students who now are forced to go to a McDonald's parking lot or something like that can come and also in a safe environment 
uh, finish their homework. And from that, I got to tell you, I'm so excited. The Mayo Clinic, for instance, told us that they've had more telemedicine visits in one day than they had all of last year. This has been an accelerant. This is what I'm excited about, this partnership where others, why HP, why Cisco? Well, they provide some of the technology that is involved you know, in enabling broadband. Others are concerned as well. Other companies are concerned that we need to make sure that students, that uh, rural populations have access to health care and to education. And if they can do something to stand up, whether it's just to push for a government-funded solution or their own funding in some ways, or some of them have turned on their own sites, Polaris, for instance, in, in communities, then they're willing to do that. And especially at this moment, I see technology as an accelerant for this move towards telemedicine and some levels in teleeducation. I'm excited about that because I believe it will be a stabilizer in some of these communities where we've seen rural population decline. What is it, like 7 percent over the last, was it 2010 to 2018 or so, while urban areas are increasing 7%. One of the reasons is it's hard to have a vibrant rural city without access to technology that, and then thus access to education, to healthcare, having entrepreneurs start. And this is a proof point. Is this coalition's approach different than others? I think it is in that what we've done is gone across different industries. It's not, you know, industry specific. And I think people get lost in that. Well, it's only agronomy. And then they think, well, that's not me, right? <laughs> it's the same, same thing you're going to cover. Well, rural area isn't my problem. It's somebody else's problem. And that's just absolutely not the case. That's why I say this is an American issue. What I see as a, as a powerful convening of different uh, leaders in tech, in healthcare, in education, and just in general industry is an interest from um, different American businesses and um, organizations to say we can solve this together. So it is different. It's not unique to a particular industry sector. Instead, it cuts across all of them. It's those who are willing to step up and work together for the end result and not you know, just because it's one particular industry. So some might have a view of agriculture still as the American Gothic, or others might have a view of agriculture as only factory farms. From the relationship that Land O'Lakes has with Microsoft, from the coalition that includes farm groups and Cisco and medical professionals, what can be said about these next steps in the industry, about the real face and cutting edge of agriculture and the farmers that are involved in this business? This is such an exciting time. Again, I think the very heritage of farmers is farmers as entrepreneurs, unbelievably resilient, creative, and really forward-looking. They have to be. And while people might say it's big factory farms, let's agree, it's 90, uh, last statistic I saw was 95% of fam, uh, farms are still family-owned. They may incorporate because they need to do that from a business structure, but they're still family-owned. We at Land Lakes have farmers and have dairy producers, for instance, with 50 cows and uh, some of our Amish, and we go to the mailbox with a check all the way up to larger-scale producers. All of them, I think when we try to value one is worse than the other or one is better than the other, I think we are in a losing situation. I think farmers are cutting edge. Opportunity is for us to leverage technologies of other things that are out in other industries to learn from them and to use those as an accelerant 
for more efficient or more productive and more sustainable production in the future. And that's, I think, what you hear of this coalition. They want to invest not just in the farms, and I, I say don't stop there, talk about the rural communities that are sitting next to these farmers that also need investment, deserve investment, and that will strengthen our whole economy and will strengthen the American consumer and the American population. You've changed the label on your butter. Is that an example of reaction to a new face of a consumer? Or what led to that change, and is this the last change, or do you see the industry as a whole beginning to move more in the direction of answering the questions of the consumer? Well, understand, that change was made in February. In fact, I did an interview before we exchanged it, so this wasn't a, a reaction to anything. Rather, we're coming into our 100th anniversary, and when we were looking at our consumer research, what we were trying to understand is what do consumers know about us? What differentiates us? What makes us special? Well, what they found is that for people my age, I'm a baby boomer, everybody was familiar, or most and many were familiar with Land O'Lakes and that we were farmer-owned. But the consumers, the Gen X, the millennials, others were less familiar. They didn't know what we were, who we were, didn't know we were cooperative, didn't know we were farmer-owned, and said, if you would have messaged that, I would have bought your butter, your products. And so when we, you know, you never make a change like this without doing a lot of consumer researching. And so we did that. And what we found was that there was a much more increased reason to buy for consumers when we said we are farmer owned, we are a cooperative. And that's what this was about. It wasn't about taking something away. It was about messaging who we are for that next generation. Now, when you say, are there going to be any other changes? Well, I, you know, I would never say we never are going to change anything, right? I think what's important is to say what is most relevant to consumers and what is most aligned with the values of the organization. We're proud of our farmer ownership. We're proud of our farmers. We're proud of our cooperative. And putting that front and center clearly was of interest to consumers, and we've seen a terrific reaction to that. From where you stand today, how do you see the future of the dairy industry in the country and of your dairy sector? Well, on the dairy side, because again, you know, you know, we're in with growers and producers of all kinds, but the dairy sector has consolidated pretty aggressively over the last number of years, losing eight to ten percent of producers. I think we're under thirty-five thousand dairy producers, still about nine and a half million, you know, cows or milky cows. So you know that you're getting larger scale. So what do I see the future of the dairy industry? Well, like every other industry, there is a real need and a drive and a desire to innovate. And dairy is still the healthiest product. It's interesting as we went through this pandemic, just this surge in buying of drinking milk, of dairy products um, in general. And uh, so the question is, are we going to continue to take advantage, not just of that, but of messaging to the consumer what is nutritious, healthy, and right for their families and right for them. So what do I see? I see the consolidation. There has been a march to consolidation. It seems to have stabilized a little bit here this year, but it was certainly there was the last couple of years, you know, a difficult time for consolidation to occur. And um, and then going forward, each dairy company, especially with retail brands, is going to continue to have to innovate because guess what? Consumers are willing to change. Consumers are not just going to go to brands. They're going to go to what products interest them, and they're willing to try new things, and so it's always in your best interest 
to continue to keep them excited about your product. Well, Beth Ford, there is a lasting legacy and work of Land of Lakes, and we certainly appreciate you taking time from a busy schedule to be with us on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and our tradition is that you have the last word. You know, today is such an exciting time. It's a challenging time for every every industry, every business, every citizen, as we're seeing this level of disruption in our day-to-day lives. I think the most resilient people that I've had the pleasure of working with, and again, I've been in seven companies, six industries I've worked in around the world, is the American farmer. And um, they figure it out. They understand uh, the uh, level of investment to make. They continue to invest in their land and in their communities. And I'm grateful to be part of the industry. I'm hopeful that we're going to take advantage of this moment for the learnings that we've had and use it as, as an accelerant to move to the future. And I can't wait to be part of it. Our thanks to Beth Ford, President and CEO of Land Lakes, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance in appreciation of the essential work performed every single day by farmers, ranchers, and everyone across the agriculture supply chain. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.